Teenagers, the podcast that subjects teen soap operas to a level of scrutiny they definitely deserve. As always, is Ryan Shealy and uh, Matthew Rather. Matt, how are you I'm out there well. on that left, that leftermost coast? That yeah, the leftmost coast. If you shook, I forget. Oh, Frank Lloyd Wright said, if you uh, took America by the end and shook it, everything that wasn't nailed down would uh, fall to Los Angeles. Uh, interesting. So you have like a bunch of like detritus. Uh, <laughs> Actually, homeless this people, is, I mean, vagrants. You know, no joke. Uh, they used to they. You know the they the uh, the, the other. Yeah, the other. <laughs> in this in this case, I mean the institutional uh, institutional authoritarian other of let's say you know small town sheriffs or something like that. When you wanted to get a Uh-oh. vagrant out of your town. Uh, uh-huh. The way to do this was to uh, put him on a Greyhound bus and Santa Monica, California, my home city here in Los Angeles, was a uh, was the the last stop on the Greyhound line out west. <laughs> so, uh, like all these these um, vagrants, hobos, uh, homeless people, ended up in uh, in Santa Monica, which is why Harry Shearer, the guy who does all the cool voices on The Simpsons, says it's a community recognized around the world as the home of the homeless. Well, and we are the home of the homeless online. The, the, <laughs> home, of the, in, the home of the intellectually homeless. And it's not just you and I that are without intellectual homes, nah. but it is, it is all of you, our listeners, uh, who uh, we invite to join in our uh, academic shantytown out here on the outpost of... Uh, <laughs> Somewhere of between where, cultural where, studies and sociology and... And, uh, and, and teen soap operas. Right. It's, uh, it's, what they call, it's what they call a frontier zone. Um, so join us in the frontier zone. It's an edge uh, by, case. It's a corner you, by, case. Yeah, it's an edge case. It's a corner case. It's a it's a taint. It's a taint. It's a it's a it's a it's an intellectual taint. It's a taint of the brain. Um, so join us. Come stroke our brain taint um, by by calling twenty eat log or sorry twenty fat jog o one. That's what two o three two eight five. You know. Six four zero one, or by emailing podcast at overthinking dot com, or leaving a comment in the in the show notes. And uh, several people have uh, have 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 joined our uh, us in this. this oh, I also I want to say I want to say that we oh, also yeah. we now have our own thing on iTunes. Mm. Except we can't. God, say I'm fucking... such a bad host. You can't, you just you have to fucking usurp, don't you? <laughs> we can't say fucking. Actually, speaking of fucking usurping, uh, we can't say that on iTunes. So it's these f stars. Star Star Ing Teenagers. And if you search for that phrase, you'll find it. If you search for uh, Teenagers Gossip Girl Glee, I think we're the first result for that. Do you find it? Did you did you dies as a tag so that if you search Omar Dies and <laughs> no, our, our podcast add, comes up? I'll add Omar Dies. Uh, but uh, speaking of Omar Dying. Speaking of Omar Dying, our first call is from Joseph, uh, who now knows. He cannot unknow the fact that Omar, that Omar dies, and he has a lot of thoughts about Omar, the death of Omar. Hello, um, this is Joseph. Regarding your latest These Fucking Teenagers podcast, um, and more specifically, it's spoiler policy, I am a young, young listener, around the age of 19, and you managed to both introduce me to The Wire within, within your past five or ten podcasts that I've 
Joseph, we haven't had ten podcasts of these fucking teenagers. You know, it, it seems like ten. Yeah. I mean, we've done what? This is number five, but I think we keep, we it seems like we've been here for ten. Because we keep interrupting the calls, it seems like it's ten podcasts. Uh, yes, no, it was. It was on. You were introduced on the Overthinking It podcast, which has a different spoiler policy. I, I just want to put that out there. Sorry, but he also can't be. But this is interesting. He can't be that long-term of an overthinking it um, podcast listener, because I actually first spoiled the, the wildlife for those kind of overthinking it completists out, out there. I did you did believe that out. Yeah, I believe yeah, that but- you're spoiling the wire, because you said Omar dies, and I got so much hate mail. Actually, well, I bleeped it the first time. I didn't realize you had said it twice. I said it several times. I started yeah. shouting it at the top of my lungs. <laughs> and I, started, I didn't end up bleeping I started them filibustering the podcast so when I, just um, Omar, Doyes, Omar I, dies. I, I, uh, I uploaded a revised version that was, uh, that was bleeped because that was one of the few things on Overthinking It that has gotten me hate mail. Anyway, uh, sorry, Joseph. We keep well, back. Back to the. I mean, yeah. this isn't quite hate hate voicemail, but uh, sorry, let's see. Joseph. But that's um, Joseph. Oh, Joseph, my Joseph. <laughs> He's um, Joseph. You sound older than nineteen. You should get a. a I mean, you have a really um, a really uh, deep stentorian de- voice. Yes, exactly. I was going to say man, manful, but um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you should or you should orate. You should give me. You should give oral. Okay, <laughs> dude. Why do you have to be so skeevy? I mean, Joseph's like a teenager, man. That's <laughs> fucking. True. That's dirty. These fucking teenagers. <laughs> fucking teenagers and their deep voices. <laughs> Off we go. Their early uh, onset of puberty. Revolving podcast. Um, so you managed to introduce me to the wire and spoil it for me before I could finish it, and I wanted to please uh, limit your hilarious. Spoiler warnings to things that possibly were beyond the realm of continuity, or rather the. And here Joseph pauses for a while. Kind of date, like more more along the lines of King Kong dies at the end of King Kong. Uh, you know, Jesus Christ dies at the end of the Passion of the Christ. Things that are you know safe to spoil, as Rosebud, I believe, was a prime example. But The Wire, The Wire, something that you teased me with, is now ruined for me. Omar is shot at the end of the season. Thank Whoa, you. God, you spoiled it! You spoiled The Wire! For your younger listeners. Who I don't believe that. Had the chance to experience the fantastic television series that is The Wire. This is an interesting Give point. Give them a chance next time. Okay, so I, I, have two, I have two gut reactions to this. Number one... Fuck uh, John, John, no, number one, John F. Kennedy Jr. dies in the penultimate episode of this of season three of Mad Men. Um, <laughs> Wait, it, it's <laughs> is it JFK Jr.? Oh, did I say Jr.? Yeah, yeah, yeah they flash forward to 1993, um, and like Don Draper is like uh, 60, and they're they're like vacationing on Martha's Vineyard, and like John F. Kennedy Jr.'s plane goes down in the ocean. I mean, yeah. it's really, it's totally no, sorry. Yeah, no, John F. Kennedy dies. Um, JFK dies. In, in, uh, he in, dies. Oh, spoiler yeah. alert. I know I am a a freaking douche nozzle. Um, <laughs> um, no, but okay. So here's the here's the second point: is that I would contend actually that the wire is um, is unspoiler in, in a conventional sense. In that unspoilable, yes, yeah, uh, yeah, it's, it's unspoilable. It's that it, it, the you know I may have spoiled a plot point, and I uh, you know Joseph, I, I do this.
And partially because, um, you know, this, this whole thing came up because someone, I was speaking about The Wire on a podcast, I believe, about Batman, and I was making a parallel point, and someone said, don't spoil The Wire. And I just thought that that was, like, uh, such a, you know, uh, a, a ridiculous request that I, of course, went and spoiled The Wire, the wire in, 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 in the only way I knew how. But I think that, you know, if you want a real spoiler for The Wire, it's that at the end of season five, nothing's fixed, and that the system keeps perpetuating itself. <laughs> like, that's the spoiler alert, all right? He has that... had some healing in his soul. Oh, sure, people heal, but they, they but it's, it's, it, the system remains broken, right? Like, sure. uh, Carcetti sells some shit out and becomes governor, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, you know, the, like, you know, people die and people, rep- like, right? Like, even, like, Omar, like, Omar gets shot, but he doesn't really die, right? Um, because it, it's, it's beyond a specific individual, and it's about the, the kind of, you know, uh, if, if drug dealers um, exist, there's going to be stick up, moral stick-up men who, um, who, who rob those deal- drug dealers. Sure. Yeah, there's, these things are kind of mutually constituted. So I think, look, Joseph, um, I, I definitely, you know, my one, the one thing that gives me qualms about shouting out, like, Omar dies uh, in, indiscriminately and arbitrarily is that I will ter- turn people off from the wire. And right. I, I do feel bad about that. And I, I say push through, um, you know, because actually I had the wire spoiled for me. Um, and so, uh, I had Omar's death spoiled for me and several other major plot points. Um, by and the, I don't by find what, by that the, the vulture blog. Yeah, I, I yeah, because I was not watching it live. Um, I, I didn't have HBO when season five was airing, and Vulture Blog, uh, New York Magazine, ran an obituary for Omar. Um, and there was also, I think, a relatively high-profile um, uh, New York Times article that wasn't even about the wire. It was about like cigarette smoking in African-American communities. And they, like, referenced uh, uh, Omar's death, because I believe he died while buying, oh, purchasing is, a, uh, cigarettes. It, it's ridiculous, right? Um, and so... I think, and I had some other things spoiled just, like, by by various things, but I think that those... I mean, those types of things, like, in some ways, it's two things. Like, you still, like, because I knew that Omar was going to die in season five, it actually added, like, in those, like, the episodes leading up to his death, like, there are a lot of near-death scenes. And I actually thought, oh, this is the scene where he's dying. It created a lot of tension, and then he didn't die. So there was actually suspense created um, by the, the, the sort of nonlinear, um, you know, enjoyment of it. So I think that, and beyond that, the fact that you know that Omar dies is... is there's so many other rich pleasures in the wire that like knowing that far from spoils it and, and you should continue on undeterred and, and enjoy, you know, the, 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 uh, unsurpassed. Oh, we lost, we lost you for a second, but I'll bet you said unsurpassed and unsurpassable. You, you know it. Of, yeah. uh, of television. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Now, there's uh, – Brosev says one more thing, which is that, <laughs> <laughs> which is that uh, we should be especially careful with younger listeners, uh, spoiling things for younger mm-hmm. listeners, people below mm-hmm. you know, the age of 20. These actual – These, these, these actual, actual fucking – Teenagers, yeah. And um, – uh, right, and I don't know. Do you? Where do you come down on that idea that um, 
it's really, uh, you know, we have to protect the children. It is a really, uh, you know, if you're if you're a teenager, I, I think The Wire is just really not appropriate viewing for you at all. Right. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. It has like a mature audience, is twenty one plus uh, rating, doesn't it? Oh shit! Uh, the Yankees just won the World Series. I know it's some fucking horseshit. Um, no, I totally spoiler alert: the Yankees won the World Series. Spoiler alert! Yeah. Ah, oh, gotta hit that. Um, so not I that we're watching television while we're recording your podcast or anything. Well, no, it's 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 on in my panel of uh, uh, you know I have a, a, a whole room, a wall full of flat panel TV screens <laughs> that I use to monitor all of the media. Uh, you know, well, we have to, as overthinkers, we we're we're obliged to that. Oh, absolutely, in our so, underground overthinking lair. Oh, so we're talking about the youth. Yeah. So, okay. The so I think that, um, you know, I, I had always actually assumed, you know, we had been operating on the assumption that sort of the youths have access, a, a really rich amount of access to popular culture through the internet, through the torrents, the waffles, um, uh, these various... Oh, if anyone memes. has, we want waffles invites. So if anyone has... Yeah, so, yeah waffles or what, what .cd. Um, yeah. Although I, I don't think I qualify for this because I actually only enjoy music that's extremely lossy. Yeah, if it wasn't recorded by John Darnell on a Casio tape recorder. <laughs> right, right. Wait, I was, it's listening, not like to, I was like, listening to all, all Hail West Texas, and you know who has shitty sound quality is the Mountain Goats. Well, absolutely. I mean, there's, there's no point in having, like, flack, flack files of, <laughs> of the Mountain Goats. Like, <laughs> Like so, you can hear the tape pop. Um, but this yeah, is that hiss. You can hear that hiss reproduced in really high fidelity. Exactly, exactly. Um, this is the, you know this isn't a uh, uh, a podcast about sound quality, but just as an aside, um, I have a cassette tape, uh, an ex- actually an experimental no- of an experimental noise band called the Piss Sect. Um, who, who I believe are from Ann Arbor, Michigan, and it's literally two sides of like screeching static, static. Um, like it sounds like a like a, you know a, a a modem from like you know dial-up modem being put through a blender, essentially on a on a on a patchy Skype connection. Um, <laughs> like there's there's not even a pretense of of it is like literally noise. Um, yeah. I don't know. That's the, the guy at the record store in Brooklyn said, "Do you like noise music?" And I said, "Yeah," and he sure showed me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you thought you thought you were uh, teaching me a lesson when you sent me, or you turned me on to. Oh God, I I forget what it was. These are powers. Yeah, it was these are powers. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it was not half as alienating as this sounds like. Yeah, this is why. I mean, this is only available on cassette, to my knowledge. So, um, on bootleg cassette, no less. Well, yeah, well, it's well, the, the cassettes are really uh, in vogue in the, the like experimental noise rock community. Um, this is the other uh, thing that Ryan and I both share a uh, kind of an interest in him far more than me. But you know, you get the idea. Is uh, you know, experimental noise uh, music. Though calling it music is so teleological. How, in, in what, in what well, sense? I mean, the, the idea that it, you know, all recorded, all recorded matter. Yeah, it sort of aspires to be music. 
all recorded, yeah, all recorded, uh, non, shall we say non-signifying, right, matter, mm-hmm. non, non-signifying mm-hmm. in a straightforward way, manner, anyway, uh, you know, non-speech, all recorded non-speech uh, aspires to be music, when right, much of it right. aspires to be... Right, exactly. <laughs> Well, that's whatever, whatever my sound quality cuts out. Uh, you never know whether, whether that is part of my experimental uh, noise collective or uh, whether it's me just being uh, lazy with my, uh, my boom mic. Let's push on. Let's. Um, the point is, is, so I don't know if, like, I mean, I hadn't really thought about an obligation to younger listeners. Cause I, didn't, I thought kind just of... You know what? They haven't had the same number of years in their life to get the backlog of the TV shows on DVD or classic films. But the Wire is not that old. I mean, the Wire is. I mean, this is like the. This is one. I mean, it'd be one thing if we were spoiling like, I don't know, um, Lost season six. But even that, uh, I, I just, I just don't know why age is is a factor with the Wire. I mean, uh-huh. you know, when the Wire started, he was probably what fourteen or thirteen. I mean, it's not like. Um, no, he's 19 now. They didn't do one a year, did they? Oh, I guess they did do one a year, huh? I mean, it, it can't have started too much longer than six years ago, right? I don't think so. Yeah, I guess so. So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, so I don't know if it's an age thing. I mean, maybe he's chalking it up to age and just like maybe he didn't have HBO. Brosif, age ain't nothing but a number. Um, so, Brosif, if you call a, back in, let us, know why, why, well, let us know why. Let us know why. Let us know a if you're continuing to listen to the wire, yeah. um, and and b um, why you thought age was a, a relevant sort of fact of, of, of we should con- consider the youth in our. Uh, but don't fall off the wire, Brosif. Don't, don't don't fall off the wire. Push push through. Be strong, Brosif. <laughs> um, be strong for America. <laughs> Baltimore needs you. Baltimore needs you. Uh, Omar needs you. Um, next call. So that's, well, thanks for calling, Bruce. Uh, hope, we'll hope to hear from you soon. Uh, next call. I can't believe anyone ever calls into this show with the, the things we say about them. I know. Well, here's another one who I, 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 I can't believe uh, calls in. Uh, this is Rachel from Boston. She sounds hot. <laughs> totally bangable. <laughs> Hi, my name is Rachel. Um, I'm in Boston. Hi, Hello. Hello. <laughs> uh, you're going to get yourself I, in trouble, buddy. I'm I'm nasal. <laughs> no, it's just the it's the shitty sound quality. It's the Skype call. It's uh, my noise. It's my noise band. <laughs> my nose Hello. band. My nose band. Hello. <laughs> it's my experimental nose collector. Hello. Okay. <laughs> Back to Rachel. Hi, my name is Rachel. Um, I'm in Boston, Massachusetts. Um, I'm calling about the Gossip Girl podcast. I just had several uh, comments about some of the points that were raised in uh, last week's podcast. Um, With the whole discussion about Vanessa, whether or not she was selfish, the debate about how much she involved herself in in the world of the, the more elite characters, um, you know, I just feel that it's a little unfair to, like, portray her as someone who's been, you know, actively, always actively trying to embed herself in this world. You know, she has a lifelong friendship with Dan Humphrey. Dan Humphrey, by dating Serena, naturally rose in power. Um, you know, and as a result, you know, Vanessa gained this position of power as, you know, Dan's lifelong friend and confidant. 
she's going to be a natural target. I don't think she ever really, um, uh, you know, on her own sought out to involve herself with Blair or Chuck or any of this other sort of more peripheral, more kind of like scheming uh, characters in the Gossip Girl world. It just so happened that she became a natural target, you know, once Sam was also uh, a target of, you know, Blair's and Chuck's for, what, you know, the different reasons they've had for trying to outstand her all this and Serena's life. You know, it's natural that Vanessa then is now involved with Blair and hasn't become a target of Blair's. You know, she's her and might seek her out at future alliances. But it, ultimately, I think Vanessa started off as trying to avoid um, embedding herself in that world. Uh, the Want to take that up before we go on? Cause this is a long yeah. So I mean, so what do you think? This, do you think this, we're were, were, were we too on. hard on Vanessa? What? This girl can go on. I know. I mean, just there's no end of it. Uh, and, <laughs> and I should know. I should know because she will go on and on for the rest of my life because Rachel is uh, is, is my life partner, uh, my my fiance. Your uh, and actually, actually, I was. Um, Sitting with her, uh, you guys are, and listening you guys are, to the podcast. Are just, are just, you know, propping up this bourgeois institution of marriage. Well, no, we're actually we're not. We're putting it off as long as possible. So uh, we're, we're we're doing no such thing. As a matter of fact, um, we're 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 actually probably you know uh, doing more uh, to to destroy the institution of marriage by by not moving uh, inexorably and sort of teleologically towards it um, as, as most people. So so we're we're rebels of love. As long as you um, have a, as long as you have a wedding with a champagne toast and a, a big cake and a white dress and a you know. And a church well, wedding. A church wedding. Big, yeah. big old church wedding. Old church yeah. Wedding. In, uh, you know, La Ecclesia Catholica. <laughs> and then we'll have some, uh, we'll have some, uh, some, some lechon. And yeah, I don't know. Okay. But that's, 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 this, this podcast is not my lack of wedding, about my lack of wedding planning. It's about, it's about Gossip Girl. So, so tell me, Matt, were we too hard on Vanessa? No, we weren't. I, I don't think, I don't think we were too hard on Vanessa. So are you saying? My fiance's wrong. Uh, I, I'm saying she has a different view. That's of my woman. Of the, <laughs> some of the facts that I, uh, um, well, you have to defend her like a good Cro-Magnon. You have to. No, I, I mean, I agree with you. I mean, I don't think I, I don't think I agree with her point either. Really. Yeah, it's. Well, um. I think that this, I, I like. I take issue with a couple things. One, I don't think Dan rose in power by dating Serena. Um, I think Dan's rise in power was actually his dad marrying Lily because mm. when he was dating Serena, it was often remarked on how Serena was slumming. I mean, by Blair and things like this. And Dan was never a social force within the school uh, in the same way that, say, Nate was or Chuck. Actually, Chuck's a better example. You know, Dan could never be Chuck no matter who he's dating. But I mean, dude, what, what about the sort of uh, point that was made in the finale of season two, where they say, you know, Dan Humphrey, the ultimate insider, right? And they yeah, kind that's, of that's uh, Gossip not... Girl. Gossip Girl pulls the curtain back on the fact that, um, you know, as much as he sort of has this kind of moral high ground, and you know, has says, oh, I don't want this, I don't approve of this, is as, you know, is is you know, uh, consciously or unconsciously, you know, trying to work himself in there, is drawn to power. Um, you know, and 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 really, you know, owns a lot of things at the school, uh, even though on the surface no one gives him that credit. Well, right? that's, Do you think I that- mean, like I, I would say that it's really the um, 
it's the relationship between Rufus and Lily that cements mm. that rather than his, his having dated Serena. You know, right, like, if Dan threw a party, who would come? Well, I guess, but maybe the, the point that, that Rachel's making is right, more that... Can't we see... Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I'm... Okay. Can't we see a difference between Dan and Jenny in terms of their, their actual relationship and their aspirations with respect to the Mean Girls social order? No, I think that's... Well, because Jenny really wants to be a part of that, right? right. Um... But I wonder, I mean, okay, so even if you discount that, um, the, the fact that whether or not Dan climbs in, in power, certainly he's like, so when Dan wasn't dating Serena, like, no one even knew who he was, whether, you know, sort of whether to, like, scheme on him and, like, pull a prank on him or fight with him uh, or anything. He, he was ignored, right? And, and so the fact that he was in that uh, area I guess, you know, pulls Vanessa into that world also, right? And so you see, and, and Dan sort of being pulled more completely into that world um, and sort of being kind of an actor within in that world sort of precedes Vanessa's by, you know, a little, by like about half a season or so. But here's um, the problem with Vanessa. It's not that she's trying to move in that world. It's that she's trying to sort of straddle the line, right? She's trying to have it both ways. You know, yeah. yeah, like her, and actually I think we can talk about this with respect to the last episode, but in that first episode of the current season, right, when she sees Dan in the stretch limo getting driven away, you know, and she goes to the wedding, right, uh, with the polo match and whatnot mm-hmm. um or no not the wedding it's just a polo match isn't it yeah, yeah, yeah uh, it's the polo match yeah sorry i just assume everything is a wedding uh he you know and you know how oh dan you're selling out your principles you used to you know i don't know you used to be like this or at least you're not you're not being honest with me about your your participation in this uh this you know w- uh, wealthy higher echelon um and yet she she does the kind of she does the kind of scheming that she so despises right it's right. not you know it's the it's the speech thing it's the lying to dan about the i mean there were two or three episodes in a row where the plot the main plot was essentially vanessa lies to dan about something right right and um, that's what that's what we're faulting her for not just cuz she wants to move in the corridors of power uh but because she wants to be be critical of power and then to recapitulate uh, many of its um, uh, Machia- Machiavellian excesses in her own uh, pursuit of position. All right, and so in this and in this most recent episode, you see this again where she wants to both be kind of. Right. So in in the most recent episode, her kind of morally, her moral impulses and her self-serving impulses align. Right. So it's that she exposes that like Tripp's heroic water rescue is is kind of a hoax. And that both seems to her to be the right thing to do and gets her a lot of publicity. So in that case, it's like so that's like convenient, Um, whereas sometimes it's like more there's more of a tension. Right. And there and it's more hypocritical. But here it's more uh, there's more of a sort of ulteriority issue. Um, But we'll return to that when we talk to the elections. So. So I don't right. know. It's, going, on, it, going on with Rachel. Let's feel, go on. Let's I go feel, on. I feel bad for Rachel because we, we you know, made fun of her so much at the beginning. I, I feel bad for Rachel because she's going to spend the rest of her life with me. Rachel, <laughs> I, you know, if, if Ryan uh, offended you, I, I think you're totally hot and you could move to L.A. 
heartbeat Whoa. that she could get a job Whoa. out here. Whoa. <laughs> this podcast is over. <laughs> uh, I'm still in your woman. No, I'm, I'm kidding. You, you've met your match in Ryan, Rachel, and I wish you many happy years together. I mean, look, she's like the only person who's called into this podcast on the terms of our podcast. Uh, right, exactly. Co- she's the only <laughs> one who wants to talk about the fucking issues rather than like... I don't think Glee is any good, which, by the way, we've just tabled that discussion forever and ever and ever. We can't. Well, it's because of the World Series. We're, we're, I think we're going to have to confront it again because, you know, now that Mark Teixeira is, uh, is hoisting a World Series trophy above his head, uh, you know, we're going to have Spoiler to not uh, ignore, ignore the, uh, the, the Glee issue because they'll be back on the air next week. No, I think we can't have a podcast about the sociology of teen soaps if we have to, if we have to talk about the aesthetic merits, you know, every f- freaking week. Oh, wait, no, this we'll is not the family. Hopefully, hopefully we'll, I mean, look, um, yeah, and let's, let's not, uh, we'll Sorry, see I'm what getting, needs, I'm getting off needs. on a tangent. Oh, no, I'm on a tangent. God, Rachel, take us away. Uh, the other point I want to talk about is, you talk about terror, it's kind of towards the end of the show, and Glee, surprised that you didn't talk about the Slurpee incident. Are bad. Um, you know, the, I think the Slurpee thing is definitely an example of the use of arbitrary punishment in enforcing, you know, social norms. And there wasn't even from like a sort of authoritarian source. It was, you know, the, the kids themselves were policing the social norms of, you know, football players in Glee Club and who, you know, who, you know, who was maintaining the social order as it was supposed to be. And from the, you know, Ryan, he pointed out the idea that you saw everything from a slurpy point of view and would do these fake-out shots. And I think that sort of reinforced the idea that it was arbitrary. Uh, You didn't know when, you know, why, and really what... You You know neither the day nor the hour that the slurpy is coming for you. I think, I, think that's, that. I think that that's a good point, actually. Yeah. I think that, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that the, Slurpees, the Slurpees I view and all the people kind of recoiling from it. Yeah, that you, you don't know when it's your turn. Well, right. And so and they actually um, depict that. It, 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 there's kind of an interesting, it's not exactly a rule of three, but right there, they, I think there's three kind of, you know, coming back from commercials um, where you're moving with the Slurpee eye view. Right, and so the first one, Quinn and Finn get it. The second one um, is Puck bringing a Slurpee to to Rachel, and then the third one is is Finn kind of being rehazed back into the football players by having to throw a Slurpee on one of the uh, on one of the Glee Club members. And it ends um, up and being so, on. It ends up being on the gay kid, right? Yeah, well, the the, the gay kid, you know, takes, takes one it. For the team. Takes one for the team. He takes it. Takes Slurpee. He takes Slurpee all over his face. Yeah. <laughs> he takes it. He loves it, though. Okay. Sorry, Rachel. But yeah, no, I no, I think that that's a good point. I mean, I think that I that is something I had thought of. It had been in my uh, in my notes uh, to talk about when talking about terror, and then just uh, had slipped my mind in the heat of the moment. Uh, yeah. We were really we were really firing on all solar cylinders on that last. Yeah, episode. an episode five. I, I unlike just, unlike I, this one, right? It's late. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's it, yeah, it's past midnight on the East Coast when we're recording this. This is really our experimental podcast collective. All right, Rachel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you asshole. <laughs> <laughs>
900 cubic centimeters of raw whining power. All hail West Texas. You know what? If you are 19 and have not heard that album, or if you are a teenager or adult and have not heard the Mountain Goats, All Hail West Texas, run, don't walk to your nearest non-corporate alternative record. Or or buy it on Amazon.com through the sponsor link on overthinking.com. Oh, yeah, that's a a good point. We could use the money. We (laughs) We we need need the money. Trust me, we need the money more than any uh, any independent record store. (laughs) (laughs) We're like an independent opinion store. Sorry, Rachel, we keep cutting you off. Okay, okay, sweetheart, keep going. A civic transgression occurred to make you the victim of a slurpee. It was just a sort of general, you know, you're... Okay, so that was the you, last point. You violated some general norm. Um, so you definitely think there, the slurpee thing is a form of terror also. Okay, so uh, then this is her next point? Uh, at some point, Matt talked about, uh, you know, the kind of whoever is the, like, queen of Constance, um, Constant Billiards. Um, billiards. You know, the, you know, controls the public goods or regulates them. I don't really know what public goods there are to control. Um, Seats on the Met steps, for one. Is that a public good, though? I mean, that seems to be privatized. I mean, I think that... um, What do you have to say for yourself? (laughs) Well, it's it's a public good in the sense that it's, it's a public place and anyone, any student can go there. I guess so, but I think that that public good is, but that's like a a real public public good. I mean, if there are public goods in the school, it's like the just like you know the street piece. Like, what what would in a city be like the sidewalk piece, right? Like, just like general public order is a public good. Um, like, even though a school is a private entity, it is itself a society, and thus anything with a collectivity of individuals has the potential to have collective action problems and sort of public goods, things that are that everyone enjoys, but not everyone has to contribute to. So you just have to redefine this, the, the, the scope of the public sphere, if that makes sense. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, for this, the special case of a, of a school. Right. The school setting. So I just, I would, I think you guys should elaborate on what you meant by that. Done. Kind of seems like a throwaway <laughs> comment. Um, you know, I don't know exactly what that means. All right. And now then you on do. An unrelated note, just a couple other things um, that I thought were, you know, just on an unrelated note. I think, you know, in talking about the generalized themes of gossip Battle, I like the setting of the show as being the Northeast because I don't think it would work out west. I don't think this would work as well if it were something about like the the children of movie executives in L.A. Um, it is, you know, as much power as they wield, it's just not the same themes that, you know, the the fantasy being sold by Gothic Girls that these people have a lineage even as far back as the original kind of colonial elites that founded our country. And they, you know, they they have that sort of background and that lineage. And they, as a result, they really are the closest thing to our aristocracy. It has to be set in the Northeast and it has to be New York. And I think that's part of the fantasy of it. I think, and on another 
Yeah, that's, well, so, that's, I gotta, so what do you think? So you're you're out there in in Hoboville, USA. Do you think that's true? Jamba juices and our uh, and and your and your and your nouveau nouveau riche. Uh, and our, yeah, and our majority of you know Chicano Americans right out here. White people are no longer a majority ethnic group in California. Wow. And that is by driver's license registration, so I'll bet the actual numbers are far more extreme than the publicly reported ones. So, uh, you know, welcome to the, the new America, si se puedes. Uh, yeah, no, I think I actually think this is right, and this may be a factor in why the, um, the uh, short-lived spinoff, or the putative, I should say, spinoff of Gossip Girl uh, featuring Lily uh, Vanderwoodsen, nay Rhodes, or Lily Bart Rhodes. now, formerly Vanderwoodsen, nay Rhodes, right, was, uh, was never actually made it onto the air, right? Because it's just, it just isn't the same. My, um, you know, actually speaking, I, I, you know, I went to a Tony West Side of Los Angeles private school with the children of celebrities and, and whatnot. And our eighth grade history teacher, uh, uh, and this may have been sour grapes on her part, but um, our eighth grade history teacher was fond of saying to us, you know, you kids could grow up and get famous and make all the money in the world, but you will never be a Kennedy. <laughs> right? And, and there's some truth to that, right? That I, you know, when I went back east to go to college and also to meet Ryan, which was the other reason I went back east, the... Um, you know, I, I, I was exposed, I, having grown up a, a, amid, in an atmosphere of privilege, right, amid this, um, uh, uh, this, this um, environment, right, uh, I was exposed to a, just a whole other level there in, uh, in New England, and I, th- I think Rachel's right, right? This is, this, is the closest, uh, this is the closest thing we have because of legi- the, legi- the legitimizing factor of the lineage, um, Right, it couldn't be celebrity yeah. because everyone thinks celebrity is crass. Right, 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 right. Well, let's let's you know let's. I mean, I know Rachel maybe had one more disconnected point, but let's let's actually just transitional. If if you don't mind, let's uh, let's leave the last uh, one. The other part of the fantasy that's being told by things like gossip, pearl, and glee. I'm sorry. Did you the, say something? In some ways, having someone like a queen um, is really, you know. I, you know, I, I, I want- oh, you wanted me not to play the voicemail. <laughs> one hand, bullshit. out arbitrary. <laughs> 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 The popular people never would speak to me, and I was never to be involved with them. And knowing this, you know, you can sort of reject them and move on. As opposed to the real care of adolescence where, you know, you, you never know who, where you stand with people. And there's a lot of ambiguity as to whether or not 
And our uh, our um, voicemail uh, system cut her off because we it only accepts three minute calls, and that was two that was two three minute calls. Um, hey, but but that's a I mean that's a that's a good point. It's a, it's better it's better to live in the world of Gossip Girl than in the world of The Wire. Say right, right, right. No, that's true. Um, you know, no one, no one in no one in Gossip Girl. I mean, has been when well, I guess Bart Bass died. Um, and, and, and Dan's half brothers, uh, stepbrother, uh, died, but no, you know, it's, you're, you're, you don't, you're not fearing that you're waking up, you know, in the world of the wire, you know, part of why Omer's death isn't a spoiler is because this kind of violence, you know, there's a non-zero probability that every, you know, you know, principal character on the kind of streets side of the um, of the wire will will die in in every episode, and that is like a reality of 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 you know urban America. Um, that you know there are parts of America where anyone you know wakes up in the morning and and may not see the end of the day, and that's not the case of you know even even in the you know, the, there are tribu- trials and tribulations in the world of Glee and Gossip Girl, but they're they're of different orders of magnitude um, by several right. levels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so what did you want to do before I, I forced your fiancé's uh, well, I th- voicemail down your throat? Uh, um, I think that uh, I wanted to talk about, um, you know, the, the points that were being made uh, about um, sort of the 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 elite. Um, yeah, I think you made two points. One about you know celebrities being kind of crass and vulgar, uh, and and one about kind of these you know how the the role of the lineages uh, relates really nicely to this uh, past week's uh, episode, um, and and which was which centered on uh, the the election and the election party of uh, Nate Nate's cousin. Trip Vanderbilt, um, and and you know the election party is only really recognizable as an election party rather than all of the other kinds of parties that happen in Gossip Girl right. because there are like you know like fake like public news uh, like fake local news uh, tickers like on flat screens and otherwise it looks like every other party every other kind of set piece party that happens in the third act of a Gossip Girl episode. Right. Um, so uh, I think there's an interesting thing about, you know, about just speaking about uh, lineage. This is the first time, you know, the election posters for Trip Vanderbilt are, um, you know, the first time we see the Vanderbilt family name as it's using Get- Gossip Girl spelled out, spelled out. And it's interesting to, like, avoid... Um, they actually use the non-anglicized way that one would spell Vanderbilt, right? They, they yeah, spell it the, out... In the, in they the spell it in the... They still saw it in the Dutch uh, style that so even when you say it, you know it's supposed to, um, you know, evoke the family that gave us, you know, Vanderbilt Hall at Yale and Vanderbilt University and um, Anderson all of Cooper. these. Uh, what's that? And Anderson Cooper. Is he of that family? Yes. I did not know that. That's interesting. So right. So they, 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 when they say the name, they want you to think of that family. Um, you know, just as when they say the name, you know, Buckley, they want you to think of another another famous Yale uh, family. But but then for you know, I guess the family name is not not copyrighted. But when they spell it out, they want to say, no, this is a different family. This is Vanderbilt, not Vanderbilt. Um, I don't know. What do you make of that uh, that little sleight of hand? No, I, I think that it's it's exactly that. Where they're not. Um 
you know, uh, the heirs of Cornelius Vanderbilt can't, you know, claim anything. Right, but they also don't want to insinuate that, you know, all, this is like their way of saying, like, you know, all, all resemblances to, to people, uh, you know, real or fictional is are entirely coincidental or something like that, you yeah, know. Uh-huh. They're, they're kind of just saying, well, these rich people just happen to be named Vanderbilt, but they're yeah, not they, based well, on know. any this, real... This is a have-your-cake-and-eat-it-too moment for Gossip Girl, right? Where, where this, we were, I mean, we were talking about... Uh, the various levels of Gossip Girl cameos several episodes ago. And this is mm-hmm. like, the name Vanderbilt is a level of cameo, right? It's an American heritage cameo, I guess, right? Well, it's a way of, it's it's a way of signaling, um, you know, these kinds of, you know, aristocratic families. But at the same time, here's an interesting thing. So, you know, the family of, um, you know, Cornelius Vanderbilt, I mean, I guess, so his family... You know, so Cornelius Vanderbilt himself was the beginning of that family being uh, uh, prominent. So, like, Cornelius Vanderbilt himself was born to modest means and was kind of a, a titan of industry. Um, you know, and his, his lifespan, I mean, this is the fascinating thing about Cornelius Vanderbilt, is his lifespan stretched from 1794 to 1877. Well, wow, you're on the um, same Wikipedia page I'm on, huh? Uh, yeah, I just yeah, I looked it up. Uh, I, I I previewed it before we started uh, podcasting, so I that that didn't you didn't have to wait for me to Google it. Um, but it's it's really interesting because you know I think about him firmly in that kind of titan of uh, titan of industry era, you know, the age of industrialization. But he was born, you know, just. Um, you know, decades after the the Revolutionary War. I mean, it, 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 when you when you see his lifespan, um, it like puts into really stark relief. You know, the the, the rapid growth of um, uh, of of sort of America, right, and, and rise to sort of world power status of America. Um, and so, I, I mean, the thing is, that doesn't strike me that if the Vanderbilts were of modest means in 1794, I mean, are they the old money, or is there older old money out there? Seven, yeah, I guess there is older old money. I mean, I guess the what the the British families who settled, you know, who settled. Uh, 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 the colonies, you know, the prominent ones, the sort of colonial elites. Yeah, were, yeah. Were more. I mean, for I mean, the Dutch aren't they? Uh, I don't know. The Dutch were big in New York, I guess. Right? Like it, they were the they were the New York aristocracy back when it was New Amsterdam. I guess so. That's what I wonder. I mean, this is I, I've never found if anyone listening to this podcast knows any good scholarly literature on the kind of sociology of the of the types of families that are depicted uh, on on Gossip Girl. Send us send us the link. Send us the citation because it's actually something I've been wanting to track down for a while and haven't yeah. found because I actually want to know. You know, we sort of presume that oh, well, the East Coast is where you have this this aristocracy, but I, you know, I wonder how, like, how old they really are, right? And so, um, you know, and how many of them are kind of, you know, because people who selected into coming to to the colonies probably weren't, you know, for the most part, were not aristocratic landholders in, in the old world. Right. Um, and it doesn't strike me that you would have had a lot of that. So you might have families who like, you know, in the scheme of America's lifespan, 
our old money, but they don't necessarily link to like European old money. Um, sure. I mean, even like like Kennedy's. You know, it's funny that you say they'll ne- you'll never be a Kennedy. I mean, right? The Kennedy money doesn't go much further back than the twenties, uh, if, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right? Yeah. Well, so, yeah. I mean, I guess. I mean, I guess it. That was more in terms of being like an American political dynasty, but you know. Sure. But, sure, I mean, but, God, they, but who doesn't have an American political dynasty these days? The Bushes, the Clintons, the whole, you know, you can't, you can't shit with that. Yeah, yeah, the Clintons, I mean, so, I mean, the Clintons are another one that's a very new rise to, to, to right. promise. I mean, do you think, do you think Chelsea will go into politics? I mean, do you think that that's a, a dynasty in the making or? No, I, well, I don't see it, but uh, you know, I, I think we're in a different age now. I'm sorry, I'm totally distracted. I'm on the uh, wealthy historical figures list uh, on Wikipedia. Uh, number two hundred is Richard Branson of the Virgin thing, but the wealthiest wow. historical figure is uh, John D. Rockefeller, hmm. uh, who you know uh, owns Standard Oil. And his net worth in billions of 2007 U.S. dollars was 318.3 billion dollars. Uh, clicking, clicking through from um, the Vanderbilt family got got me there. Yeah, no, I saw because because Vanderbilt was the is the tenth uh, oldest or tenth tenth wealthiest man of all time. Uh, interesting that Tsar Nicholas II of Russia is is, is on there. Yeah, um, one of the Pharaohs is, is on there. Crassus, the the rich ancient Roman, is on there. Like it's very, you know, it's very cool. Anyway, um, but, but yeah, so this is interesting. So Rockefeller is an interesting one. So I, you know, I I didn't think through the history well enough that you know I feel like when you learn the age of industrialism in in like middle school history. You kind of get your Vanderbilt, Carnegie, and Rockefeller at the same time. But Vanderbilt, Cornelius Vanderbilt's earlier, um, you know, and his because so the Carnegie yeah, and Rockefeller he was like a shipping thing, right? Yeah, shipping. It went um, 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 trains. He was he was trains um, uh, uh, was his was his big thing. Um, but that and so that really happened. You know, Vanderbilt died before the 20th century, so he he he. He was like, so I guess he does have a legitimate claim to kind of older money than Rockefeller or, or Carnegie because, you know, he he was alive in the 18th century, right? And so his dynasty was really starting. You know, he was, you know, had you know grandchildren by the time by the late 18th by the late 19th century, whereas you know Carnegie in you know, by at the time of Vanderbilt's death was like in his I don't know 40s or 50s. Um, so, you know, those even, you know, because America is only a few generations old, really, you know, um, if you really, you know, you, can, you only need to go back to like great, 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 great grandfathers. And, you know, if someone has that many greats uh, at, at high society, that's kind of, you know, a, a, a substantial lineage. Um, but one of these things that these lineages do, um, purportedly, is is go into politics. And uh, the political contest, as is depicted in Gossip Girl, is not you know the the a mass political activity, but it's depicted as this you know a clash of two families of the you know they they against the, the Buckleys versus the Vanderbilts. Yep. Um, and anything's fair game. And so I 
mean, this, you know, again, isn't a big surprise. It, it fits. It's good that Gossip Girl didn't go and contradict everything that we said about its politics uh, last week. Because I mean, this fits it within to, you know, our analysis of the police and the courts in Gossip Girl that these are depicted as a you know, as an extension of, uh, it's a lever for these, uh, these, uh, families to pull, um, and, um, and as a means. So I don't know. I mean, it wasn't terribly surprising, but it was a, um, I think one interesting thing about it is that the ultimate, you know, there was, the election was a dirty election. Um, and it's revealed that, you know, that it actually wasn't the grandfather that was behind the kind of rigged heroism. Yeah, but you, had but to actually you, saw, that, you saw that coming a mile away. They were hitting it too hard at the beginning with the grandfather saying it would take a miracle to get him elected. Now, right, they were hitting that awfully hard at the beginning. So you knew they were going to pull the rug out from under it, you know, later on in the later on in the episode. But you, but did you, did you peg it as being the the wife? No, not till just a couple minutes before before she came out. Uh, she came out to say it. I actually thought for a second it could have actually been Nate. Uh, like yeah, that, there was a, it was a little ambiguous. I don't think it was that well, particularly well written. Um, but I, I have also this bad uh, this bad habit of kind of uh, c- coming home fifteen to twenty minutes late. Uh, for a Gossip Girl episode, watching it and then rewatching it uh, uh, through other means, and so that that kind of jars my experience of the, the narrative. But yeah, it wasn't the best plotted of you know. It was one of these kinds of lots of interesting things are raised and then resolved in a kind of sloppy fashion, kind of Gossip Girl. <laughs> Yeah. And speaking of resolving in a sloppy fashion, I think that it is our time to do that yeah, as well. We probably should do that. Well, I, I, look, if if we're done with this, I, w- I just want to make the point: you never heard a political position, right? Espouse. Uh, that's a good point. On the, uh, you know, you don't know what this guy stands for, other than the you don't even know what, you don't even know what party he's running. Right. Under. Exactly. You you like other than Nate's <laughs> vaguely like, you know, vaguely. Uh, uh, you know, I don't know, moralistic exhortation at the end to like, you be the kind of congressman that we all want and need. Right, but that could, that could also mean you know preventing socialized medicine. You know, like, right, yeah, you know, especially right. The the we all, um, you know, is it, it, vague enough that it could mean the public or it could mean you know their their class or their family. You know, it's unclear who the we is. Right. Yeah, well, it's uh, right, and like so, without actual politics, and even without the um, the the dirty politics, it's well, uh, the dirty politics expresses itself on the domain of um, uh, publicity, and this right. this is actually what we had set up to getting into. But between my being an asshole and your being an asshole. Uh, <laughs> and my fiance talking for six whole minutes. Um, <laughs> she did. She did talk a lot. That's great. Though. She got she'll, into it. She'll, she's into it. She'll entertain you at the uh, for a long, happy life together. We will. We will. We will talk about ambiguity and gossip girl uh, yeah. until until our dying day. Right. Well, uh, we, we didn't get what we wanted to, uh, to what we really wanted to talk to, which was about uh, politics and celebrity. Because now, as you pointed out, as we were planning before, uh, as we were as we were planning to make obnoxious noises with our microphone and jokes. About it. Like that. Omar dies. Uh, 
you you were remarking that now there are actual celebrities like uh, there are people who uh, who are actors whose job is to be a like a Hollywood film star, just like you. Oh, right, exactly. I'm, I'm lucky with my MFA in uh, in acting from the University of California at Los Angeles. Uh, do you understand that like it would be a fantastic success if I were to appear in one of those airline safety physios buckling my seatbelt? Like, do you, like that's you know because like you make a penny every time they show that fucking thing. I'm just saying like that that's that's like that's about where my aspirations are. Anyway, uh, aim high. Yeah, exactly. Reach for the reach for the stars, into in into the ad astra, into the clouds and such. So, um, yeah, no, you're right. Speaking of of sloppy seconds or finishing sloppily or what, what whatever you said when you tried to transition to the to the to, to the to the exit sequence. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, you know, yeah. It's it would be good for everyone if we were to end now. I think so. It's it's we're we're going to contribute to a public good, uh, <laughs> um, and if you want to contribute to the public good, there's many ways for for you to do so. You can call in. That's twenty fat jago one. That's two zero three two eight five six four zero one. You can uh, you can leave a comment in the show notes. Um, send us an email podcast at overthinkingit dot com uh, and visit us on the web at uh, overthinkingit dot com. Um, and you know while we are over. They're overthinking the pop culture. We, I'm, I'm getting there. I'm getting more way for it. You know, we will still be here overthinking these fucking teenagers. Hoo ha! Are you done? If we, right, well, a, if we have a single listener after this episode, I will be shocked. Yeah, I, I don't know. I almost feel like we shouldn't even put it up.